So we're talking about, about faith, and primarily faith in the context of healing, but it's, it's really faith in the broadest context of faith that the scriptures teach, but, but the, the specific context right now is for healing. That, that when we move as the scriptures teach us to move and believe as the scriptures or as God has given us faith to believe, then we start to manifest in such a way that we truly are the fullness of Jesus, right? Nobody is Jesus but Jesus, right? He was, he was the fullness of the fivefold ministry. He was um, absolutely an apostle. He was absolutely a prophet. Not, I almost said prophetic, but he was a prophet. He was an evangelist, he was a pastor, and he was a teacher. He, he fully embodied all five offices of the church. And then he went, and he sent Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit came and indwelt the church so that we could be his witness with power, that we would truly be a city on a hill, the light of the earth, the salt of the earth, so that when people saw his body, what they would truly see is Jesus. But none of us are, are given to have everything Completely, because then we'd be a bunch of full-on Jesuses running around and our flesh would get in the way. The way God has designed us to be is the integrated body. So uh, some have a pastoral gifting, some have an apostolic gifting, some have a prophetic gifting, some have an evangelistic or a teaching gift. All of the gifts of the Holy Spirit were present in Jesus, in his ministry. And all of the gifts should be present in the body of Christ so that when we come together, it, it talks so much in the, like, gosh, I want to say it, Ephesians would be an example of, of that we would grow until we were of one mind. We were completely of one mind with the Holy Spirit, that we have matured to the maturity, like all the fullness that was in Christ Jesus. And, and to some extent, we can expect that in ourselves, but the bigger context is that the body of Christ would fully represent Jesus. So it's awesome that the transformation, maybe the greatest miracle that happens is, is a dead person becomes a live person and that they are transformed, that, that they, the sinful stuff gets wiped away and, and literally lives are transformed. But there's more than going from being a bad guy to being a good guy, right? There, there's the power of the kingdom that's to be manifest through the church. And that's the context of us pressing into this faith, uh, that, that we've been stirred to just you know, by listening to a CD from uh, a guy that Dr. Yeboah left for us. So just a little bit of history. Last week we looked at some of the ask scriptures, you know, whatsoever you ask and believe, those kind of things. Can we truly, truly hang our hat or go to the bank on ask whatever you want and know that it's, that it's yours. There's a little bit of conditions in there, but can we really, really believe that? That's, that's kind of the conversation today. And then what is this faith? We'll start to d discern what that faith looks like. And if I forget to say it at the end, because it's not in my notes, faith is a gift from God, right? When we say, I repent, we repent because he's given to us repentance. We, we have to actually be graced with repentance to actually repent, each and every one of us has been given a measure of faith. And we're to operate in the faith that we have. Nobody is without faith. There is no born-again Christian person that has no faith. And the person that's not born again has the grace of God on them when they get born again so that they can have some faith to actually come to faith. So, 
none of us can be deceived that this isn't for us. It's for everybody. You know, the interesting thing, nobody will probably manifest all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as a, as a gifted person, right? Do all prophesy or are all prophets? No, not everybody is. But, but can all prophesy? Yes, right? So then the scripture says, do all heal. Now, when I think of uh, Thurman Scrivener, I don't think of him as, as a guy like John G. Lake who walks like in this, this gifting of healer. Just um, un- unbelievable stuff. If anything, maybe the gift of faith, but can all heal. Absolutely. Why? Because he's made a promise to us. Whatsoever you ask and believe. And if we will ask and will believe, then we can heal the sick. And, and, and the church, I, I think this will be next week or the following week, depending on, on my studies, I don't think we're supposed to be sick. I don't think we're supposed to ever be sick. I think we're supposed to live in divine health. And when we're sick, there's something that's happened that's caused that us to be outside of God's divine will for us. So, is everybody have the, you know, the, the John G. Lake representation gift of healing? No, probably not. The Bible would indicate that that's true. But just like anyone can prophesy, and everyone should desire to prophesy, everyone can heal in faith and be healed in faith. Okay, so... Can we take these ask scriptures literally? Two, two that I read you last week, I want to read you again. Uh, Psalm 138, the second sentence, the, the B portion of that scripture. For you, is speaking to God, for you, God, have magnified your word according to all your name. Now, God's character is impeachable, right? I mean, he's absolutely without flaw in his character. And he has spoken things in his word. And what he's saying is, I have placed my name in accordance with my word. That if if my word should not be true, then my name, my character is not flawless. I will stand my name next to my word as truth. Well, we know that God's word is absolute and it's true, and he's backed his word with his very name. God's name will never be besmirched. Not not honestly or truthfully, right? People can say whatever they want about God, but that doesn't make it true. He's literally said, it's just like, I think the Apostle Paul was very, actually humble. He was so humble, he was able to say this to people, follow me as I follow God. Because he had a confidence in his ability to walk in holiness, that he humbled himself and took the risk to say, follow me. He put himself, his name, next to his walk with God such that People could follow him and trust that they were following Jesus the same way. That's what God's telling us in this scripture. You can trust my word because I put, I put the very value of my name next to it. And then in Numbers twenty three nineteen, it speaks to God in that same way. God is not a man that he should lie. Like you and I, we could lie, right? I mean, we could just, who knows what, be tempted or stumble or, or afraid or who knows what and tell a lie. But God can't. His very character won't allow him to speak an untruth. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has, he'll never have a reason to repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? If he said it, he'll do it. If his word says it, then he will back it up, it will be done. Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? He's spoken. Whatsoever you, when praying, whatsoever you ask and believe, know that you have it. He's spoken. Will he not back it up? Of course he'll back it up. There's only a couple of conditions, it looks like, that stand between that particular statement 
and the fulfillment of that particular statement. And it appears that that would be his will and belief or faith. Two scriptures. Um, somebody quoted this one already today. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you, re- you have received them and they will be granted to you. So believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt. It's a condition. He says, anything that you ask for, if you believe that you're going to have it, you have it, but you can't doubt. Right? James chapter 1, really strong words here. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Seems like harsh words, right? But he's, it's just truth. He's just saying, listen, if you're going to ask... Now, the specifics of this is asking for wisdom. If you read it in the context of James, James chapter 1. But I believe the principle is true when you read it next to Mark chapter 11 and all the other places that we see ask and believe. So, when we ask, we can't have any doubt. Doubt doesn't trump faith. Doubt replaces faith. There's not like, man, I have decent faith, but I have a little bit of doubt. I think the scriptures are telling us then that's doubt, and we shouldn't expect our prayers to be answered. And, and I, I promise you I'm going to teach on how do, I, how do I gain this faith? The answer is you already have it. I mean the big answer is you already have it, and you just need to exercise it. So when, when doubt tries to enter your mind, you put up your shield of faith, and you take that flaming arrow, and you reject it. And you just say, no, by the word of God, I believe that this is true, and it's done because he said so. And it doesn't necessarily have to entail some overwhelming sense of, I just, I can't have any doubt because I believe so well. It might be that you have to stand in faith. You have to persevere in faith. Okay, so no doubt. Now, the second one is God's will. 1 John five fourteen and 15. This is the confidence we have, or the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So, if we understand that we're praying in God's will, Scripture tells us he hears us. So, if we're praying outside of his will, he's not hearing those prayers. But if he hears the prayers, then we know we have them, right? So, Lord... I want to love my wife like Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm asking you to help me to have that kind of godly love for my wife. Is he going to hear me or isn't he? Absolutely he's going to hear me because it's a command of scripture. I'm playing back his word to him so I know that he hears my prayers. And if I know that he hears my prayers, I know that he's going to enable me with that love to be able to love my wife the way the Bible teaches me to love her. So then what's God's will? <laughs> I wish I would have remembered it. I had it in here and I took it out, the second scripture. But, but the macro level, what's God's will? If you're ever unsure what's God's will, you go to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew uh, six ten. 
where Jesus taught us to pray this way, to the Father, your kingdom. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. So if we have any sense for what heaven is like, then we don't see that here, then we can pray that that reality become this reality because the word tells us that that's God's will. There's nothing in heaven outside of his will. There's no sick people. There's no lame people. There's no broken people. There's no sad people. None of those things are able to operate in heaven. Therefore, we can know with confidence it's not his will for them to operate here. And we can pray for those things that are here that aren't there or against those things that are here that aren't there. We can know his will at a very macro level. Now, I'm not sure his will for every single moment of my day. I'm asking him to help me to be like Jesus. Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. And I'm not sure that I have a sense that I always see what God's doing as I'm walking step by step by step through the day. But I believe that I can. But I know at a macro level, if there's an issue that requires love, I don't have to know if he's wanting me to love this one or he wants me to love that one because his will is love on heaven as it is or on earth as it is in heaven. Here's a second scripture. And, and this, this particular scripture comes twice in two different contexts. The, the, t- the place I'm going to play it for you here is Matthew 16, 19. Jesus speaking, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. So he's given us the keys of binding and loosing. So is anybody sick in heaven? Answer, no, they're not sick in heaven. But sickness is operating here. So I will give you the key to heaven and you can bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven. Sickness has been bound in heaven. It has no freedom to operate in heaven. He says, I'm giving you the the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth. Now, if you look at your NIV or even King James, it it doesn't say shall have been. But I've studied this quite a bit and most of the... um, the people, maybe all the ones that I've read or listened to, indicate that, that it's referencing what's already been done. Like, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. No, it's already bound in heaven. So whatever you bind on earth has already. So if you, if you try to bind love, like, no, I'm binding love. There won't be any love here. You can't because it's not bound in heaven. It hasn't been bound in heaven. Okay, so he's given us the keys to the kingdom to be able to bind that on earth that isn't free to operate in heaven and to loose that on earth that is free to operate in heaven. Okay. Now, I'm just going to give you a load of scriptures here that speak to faith actually operating in the context of like healing and deliverance. So it will just soak right into us. And the interesting thing to note is there's always multiples of people involved, right? In, in one scripture, there's a person praying or walking in faith for healing, and there's somebody else who's either getting healed or not getting healed. Faith is important in both places, and, and that's what we're going to see here. Um, Jesus in his hometown said this, or the scripture says this, and he being Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So Jesus himself was limited in his ability to do miracles because the people that he was operating with didn't believe. So there's an important key there that that the person who is receiving would have some element of faith 
to actually receive the miracles. Now, that context was his hometown. They knew him as little wet behind the ears Jesus, you know, running around the village and the town. And, and they couldn't imagine, just like his very own family could, that he was actually the Messiah, this, 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 this God-man on earth. And because of their unbelief, he was very limited in his abilities to bring about the kingdom in their midst. Matthew uh, 17, 19, and 20. This is the story of a, of a man whose son, the Bible describes him as a lunatic. He was demon-possessed. And he brought him to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't deliver him from the demon, but Jesus did. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he, being Jesus, said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. So this is the case where the issue was the actual people doing the ministry, right? The disciples had little faith. They saw this lunatic kid and his dad, and they're, they're, they're like, that. they just didn't believe. They, they said the words, but they didn't say the words with sincere faith in their hearts, and the, and the demon wasn't required to leave. I think the father's faith was good. The kid's faith, turns out, didn't matter because they brought, he brought the kid to Jesus and Jesus cast the devil out of him. I mean, they thought the kid was dead. The, the devil came out with such a ferocious whatever that they thought the kid was dead, but he wasn't. He was okay. So the father had faith. The kid probably had no sense for anything. Jesus had faith. The, the issue before was that the disciples didn't really believe that that thing was going to come out. Acts 14, 8 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul now. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. So, if you go see Randy Clark or, you know, some of these folks that really operate in, like, corporate healing, they will spend a tremendous amount of time building faith, sharing testimonies, sharing the scriptures, building up faith, and then the Lord will start to give them, like, words of knowledge and different things, and they'll start to make declarations, and people will start to get healed. I mean, amazing healing miracles will happen when faith is risen. Now, Paul had been speaking and speaking and speaking, and as this guy listened, he started to believe. And I don't know if it was a word of knowledge or the guy was just so jittery in his chair, but something caused the apostle Paul to recognize that, that faith is present right there for healing. He just stopped and he said, get up, because all the prerequisites had been met. And the guy got up and he was healed. So as we're praying for people, we should be looking for that. As we're trying to, to explain to them, and the anointing will be on us, to explain to them about the testimonies we've seen or the testimonies we've heard, what the scriptures say. It, it's like uh, being a salesperson. Um, ben Green, you know this. When, when, whenever you've got your order, you shut up, right? Because all you can do then is damage. Once the person's agreed to buy your stuff, you just need to take the check and go home, right? And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He saw, man, the order was ready to be collected. He said, get up right now and walk. It's the guys at the Temple Gate Beautiful, right? He's the guy he wants, he's, he can't take care of himself. And he's hoping that they'll throw him some money. And he's got silver and gold. I don't have any of that for you. But what I do have, I give you. Get up. 
because faith was present for him to be healed. Now, this is a long course of scripture. It's awesome. But I'm going to break it up into chunks so we can see step by step what's going on. So it's Mark chapter 5, verse 22 through 42. But I'm going to read them in chunks. So 22 and 23 first. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him, seeing Jesus, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will uh, get well and live. So we stop right there. Here's this guy. His daughter is about to die. He knows about Jesus. He comes running to Jesus. He just throws himself down at Jesus' feet and he says, please come and heal my daughter. The guy's got faith, right? There's no faith problem with this guy. And Jesus got faith. So we continue. And he went off with him. Jesus went off with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. So the woman had faith, right? Absolutely. Jesus was totally unaware. He's just walking. He's just walking. This this one cracks me up. You're about to hear Jesus is like, he felt in the King James, he felt virtue pass through him. Or or in the NASB, he felt power pass through him. And he's like, who touched me? And he's going through the crowd. He's Jesus. Everybody's like, ah, you know, and the guy's like, everybody's touching you. Anyway, he had no idea. What had, ha- what had happened to him, except he felt virtue. He felt power go through him. Okay, um, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She could tell physically that it was gone. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Did Jesus heal her? Yes, but no, not directly. I mean... This, to me, is the most beautiful picture of faith in the New Testament. Sorry, I have the hiccups. She drew power right out of heaven. It'd be like pick. You know, you you got your foot firmly planted on ground and you grab the hot wire. And it comes right off the pole, right through you into the ground. I mean, you get lit up. She drew the power of heaven right through Jesus into her body, was immediately healed of her affliction that she'd had for years and years and years just because she believed, because of her faith. And Jesus was so sensitive, he felt it happen, but he didn't participate in it other than he was the conduit at that point, and really and the, the object of her faith. Amen. She was healed by her faith. That's what Jesus said to her. Now, sometimes, I've, I've heard this a lot, actually. People get, um, they get their feelings hurt. If, let's say you prayed for somebody and they, and they didn't get healed, it might have been like in the previous ones that they didn't have faith to be healed. They just really didn't believe. And, and people feel like you're judging them or condemning them. You're not. 
Sometimes it's, it's very difficult to believe for an amazing miracle to happen. But, but it could be the reason why it's not happening. So as we minister to people and we're, and we're looking for what may or may not be hindering this, I think it's okay to ask, hey, do you really, do you really believe that Jesus will do this for you? Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he will? And then minister faith. Share the scriptures, share testimonies, but, but never, in a, never in a judgmental like, well, you're just not good enough because you don't have any faith. That's that not the heart of the Lord at all, and it shouldn't be the heart of the church. We shouldn't say, well, you know, I have great faith, but, you know, and I'm praying for you, but you don't have any, so you're going to just stay sick. That, that's not the case at all. The case is that faith must be built sometimes. It must be developed so that a person can actually receive because God loves them, and he's not the author of sickness and disease. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent his son and dumped it all on him to get it off of us. Okay, so she gets healed. Just, I mean, he's just on the way to deal with this other situation, and this lady gets healed on the way. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, to Jairus, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. Don't believe that report. She's not dead. How, much, how many of you know she actually is dead, right? She's like, um, didn't Jesus say that Lazarus wasn't dead, right? He's not dead. He's just asleep. Yeah, but Lord, he stinketh. I mean, we're pretty sure he's dead. He's been in there four days. She's dead. But Jesus says to this guy immediately, he says, don't listen to that. Only believe. He goes on. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Why? The rest of them didn't have some faith. Those three had faith. The dad, the three closest disciples of his, the rest of you guys stay here, you come with me. And they continued on, even though the report came that she was dead. Continue to read. Verse 38. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion, he being Jesus. And people loudly weeping and wailing and entering in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. They were laughing. When he suggested that she wasn't dead, they started laughing at him. What did he do? You, you, out of here, all of you. You take your unbelief and get out of here. You, the mom and the dad, right? You know they believe because the dad came to get them. And the three, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. He goes into the house, taking the child by the hand. He said to her, Talitha, kum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately, they were completely astounded. So who raised the girl from the dead? Who had the faith? The little girl didn't need any right. She was dead. It wasn't her faith. It was Jesus and the people that he brought with him. Magnified his own faith by bringing these other people with him. Maybe also so they could see it, so that, so that they could see the dead little girl rise again. It was important not to have doubt, to believe. Don't, don't, don't believe the report. How about, you know, Margie's got something going on over here and, and she's prayed for it and she's believing. But... The people keep coming from the house and saying, hey, your leg still hurts, or I don't know what your, what your thing is, but it still hurts. It's like, well, okay. 
That's, that's an interesting report. I'm choosing not to believe that report because I have a promise from my father. And he said this, and I did that. Therefore, it's over with. It's done. Sooner or later, the lie is going to stop, and I'm going to be walking in no problems. Right. There are so many scriptures in the New Testament. I, for time's sake, I won't read the, all this list to you. Just quickly, Jesus speaking. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done to you. It be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. And he, Jesus, said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. To the measure of faith that you have, it will be done to you according to your faith. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So the servant's not even present. He said, no, no, I'm a man under authority. And I understand when I say this one, you go, he goes. And this one, you come, he comes. And and you're a man of even higher authority. I know all you have to do is speak the word. You, my house isn't worthy to have you in it. You speak the word and it'll be done. Jesus like, I've never seen this much faith in all of Israel. According to your faith, it's done. And in that moment, his servant was healed. So, for today, the thing that, that I'm challenging us, like the collective us, including myself, is do we believe God's word is true? Do we believe it? Then we're going to have to stand and say it. Yeah, we'll have to stand and say it. Like, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be there very quickly. Thurman Scrivener, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's done. It's done. Because he doesn't have any doubt. Do we believe it's true? To bring forth the kingdom of God, his will on earth as it is in heaven, demands faith. That, that's, the, that's the ingredient that has to be applied to us to bring forth the kingdom on earth. Um, everybody involved, to some extent or another, has to have faith. Right? When Thurman Scrivener declared to the doctor that his granddaughter would live and not die, the granddaughter's faith wasn't part of the equation. I mean, her brain was disconnected from her body. She wasn't even conscious. She couldn't express faith if she had to. Gosh, she's only three years old. So her faith wasn't an issue, but his faith was. And when the doctor challenged him, you could almost see Satan stirring that doctor, doesn't even realize that he's being used by the enemy to try to get this guy to waver in his faith. But he wouldn't waver in his faith. Why? Because he had a promise. Because he trusted and believed in the scriptures. Now faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you might still have a, a pain in your leg. The substance of not having a pain is faith, right? You, Sherry, did not have the money to put uh, Abby in the school. So the, the substance of the funds was faith. You couldn't sort your way through this whole thing with the website and the we're too busy and everything. So you put it on the Lord's faith, plate and the substance of the response was faith. So you said by faith, it's okay, it's dealt with. By faith, I'm enrolling her in school and I trust that he's going to meet the needs. That's what faith is, it's substance. I transfer the, this 
to this. Faith is now the answer. That's not the answer anymore. As, I'm, I'm sorry I'm reading because I want to get the words right. As we pray and ask, faith will be the substance and the evidence of our ask anytime we don't immediately see. I've been blessed to see immediate miracles, you know. It's easy when it's an immediate miracle because you don't need to put faith there anymore. You have the actual physical substance of the lady didn't hit. Well, I didn't pray this one. Teresa did. But the lady had no calf on her leg, just a stick, just a bone and skin. And in a couple of minutes, she had a full-on calf that matched the other side. Don't need faith anymore because I can touch and see the calf. But in the place where we don't see the evidence of our ask, the evidence has to be faith. And then we continue to ask. We continue to believe. We press in because why? Because God gave us a promise. Let's just decide to believe the scriptures. And, and if we have doubt, we'll just decide not to doubt. That's what I've been doing with my knee. It's probably 90 to 95%. The only thing that's left in there is the little bit of lie the devil's trying to get me to believe. And I won't listen to him. If I feel something that I think is like, wow, you know that... Look at there, not a thing. I don't feel anything. I just say, no, you're a liar. I, I can't wait till, it, I, I keep saying it'll be next week or the next week. Ah, you got to come both. I have a testimony that happened years ago where the Lord taught me this. And now he's showing it to me again. I'll share that with you next week. But that's what we have to do. That's what you have to do. It's done. It's been bound in heaven. It's now bound in my leg. It's done in Jesus' name. Okay. Teresa, will you help me?